When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Middle-income families need help. We're coming out of COVID-19. We want to keep our economy strong. When you have an infrastructure bill, there's spin-off from that. There's spin-offs in cities and towns all across America. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. We need to incentivize the manufacturing of chips in America. I do believe the vaccine is safe and effective. But I think what government's role is is to share the science, share the facts share the benefits. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Is it time to vote yet? Not quite, but Chuck Schumer says the stage is set for infrastructure to pass the chamber sometime tomorrow. Could even happen before dawn, they tell us. And then reconciliation will follow. In fact, we got a peek at the blueprint today. We're going to talk about it all coming up with Senator Tina Smith, Democrat from Minnesota, and the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Sheehan Zeno and Rick Davis are with us for the hour. And later we'll spend some time with the stalwart. Bloomberg's Joe Weisenthal will come in and talk about the crypto deal behind this infrastructure bill. The on again, off again crypto. We are almost there, almost there for an up or down vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill in the Senate. It may have taken all weekend, but the Senate is now, finally, on the precipice of passing major bipartisan infrastructure legislation. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer today, after the bill cleared procedural votes over the weekend, setting us up for the big up or down. Last night, an overwhelming bipartisan majority of senators voted to surmount the final few procedural hurdles and put the bill on a glide path for passage tomorrow morning. Could happen as early as 4 a.m., they say. We talk about it now with Senator Tina Smith, Democrat from Minnesota. Senator, welcome back to Bloomberg Radio. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you, Joe. So here we are on the eve of, it appears, something happening. Is this bill going to pass tomorrow? This bill is going to pass. I expect it to pass uh, at some point tomorrow. You never know for sure when it comes to these uh, Senate rules, but the long and short of it is this is a bipartisan infrastructure plan that is going to mean great things for repairing our crumbling roads and bridges, dealing with the needs for broadband and clean drinking water. And I'm really excited to be able to support it tomorrow or whenever that day finally comes. That's interesting. If you don't know, then we certainly don't know. We've heard it could be as early as four <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Is that real? That is uh, certainly a possibility. We want to be able to get this done, and then we have a few more pieces of business to accomplish uh, before, uh, while we're all here. And the second thing that we have to get done, of course, is to pass the Democrats' budget resolution. And so we want to get going on that as soon as possible. A lot of time spent, Senator, debating tax reporting requirements around cryptocurrencies. I know it's 
been hashed out uh, even uh, in this hour uh, on the floor. A deal was announced today. It looks like the original language, though, will stay in the bill unless everybody agrees on making a change. Is that how you understand it? Well, I think that there has been a ton of work done by my colleagues, uh, um, Mark Warner and um, others who have been trying to figure out how to deal with what we need to do, which is to provide some much better transparency and accountability in uh, cryptocurrencies. And there's been an effort to try to improve on the language that is in the underlying bill, and I hope that we can make progress on that. I support what Senator Warner is working on. But I think it's also important to remember that if we don't get it done on with this piece of legislation, that we can always you know, come back and, and improve it and make sure that it's doing what we need to do. Sure. Uh, the majority leader says the two-track process with hard infrastructure followed by reconciliation is on track. You mentioned some of the work left to be done here. Would you support spending $3.5 trillion based on what you've seen? Uh, we saw the blueprint this morning. I wonder if the Senate parliamentarian will allow for for all of these items to be in a budget reconciliation. Well, I do support this. This Build Back Better budget, that's a lot of Bs, but I think <laughs> the Build Back Better budget is really, um, I think, goes hand in glove with the infrastructure bill that is going to pass uh, probably tomorrow morning at some point. And what it does is it delivers for people on many of the promises that President Biden made during the campaign, things that people are looking for. It is going to cut taxes for middle class uh, American families. It is going to create jobs while tackling the climate crisis, something that I've been working very hard on. And it's going to lower costs for regular Americans when it comes to uh, making childcare more affordable, helping folks that are on Medicare better able to afford hearing aids or glasses or dental care, um, um, making it much more possible for people to afford their prescription medicines. This is exactly, I think, what Americans are hoping that we can deliver on. So we're going to get these two things together. We have this two-track process to accommodate the realities of getting things done in the Senate and in the House. And um, I'm, I'm actually very encouraged by it. And I think it's important to understand also that this didn't just – this is something that we heard from Americans. And what I hear from Minnesotans, they want. So it's great to be able to actually accomplish something for people. I know you've made fighting climate change a big part of your career. You just mentioned that briefly, Senator. Does, does the, the hard infrastructure bill do enough to offset the impact of tens of thousands potentially of construction projects all getting underway at once? Or is that something you want to address in, in the second part of this? Well, you know, I'm always a glass is half full kind of a person. And so I see the uh, the work that's being done in the bipartisan bill to be really important, uh, not only around uh, kind of climate resilience and helping cities deal with the excessive flooding and fires that we're seeing uh, so tragically this summer. But I'm really encouraged by the, uh, the, the support for expanding um, charging stations around the country and for supporting electric vehicles and, you know, supporting electric uh, transit, which is going to be a good deal. But it's only part of the work that we have to do. In the uh, 
Democratic budget resolution, which we're going to be passing at some point over the next couple of days, we also say, let's make sure that the electricity that's going to be driving all of those electric vehicles and that, that it's clean electricity, uh, that it is um, powered by renewables or, um, or by hydropower or by carbon capture and storage, if that's the right approach that a utility wants to take. This Clean electricity um, initiative that I've been working on, which I which will be included in the bipartisan and excuse me will be included in the reconciliation bill, the the Democrats' budget bill, is really the kind of the cornerstone for making major headway on climate, and it also is going to be a real job creator in counties and rural counties in particular around the country, which is exciting for me because in Minnesota. We know that renewable energy is rural energy and uh, creates um, opportunities in parts of my state that um, is looking to, you know, looking for that. We're joined by Senator Tina Smith, Democrat from Minnesota on Bloomberg Sound On. I wonder what that process is going to look like, Senator. There were some complaints about the lack of hearings, for instance, the, the, the sort of backroom negotiating that happened with the bipartisan infrastructure deal. Now that we've got the blueprint Will there be a transparent process of filling in those blanks and, and, and writing those components so people can understand them? Well, I would just point out that in the bipartisan bill, which we're going to pass shortly, many of the components of that bill were uh, broadly bipartisan pieces of legislation that move through the Senate committee process. Now, not all of it. I understand that. Sometimes you have to you – know, the, the committee process doesn't work to get done what you need to get done. Um, and the budget reconciliation process is going to be a little different. You know, what we're going to be doing is once we pass the budget resolution, it's sort of like the top line uh, uh, numbers. And then there's going to be a lot of negotiation that happens uh, about making sure we know exactly how that those, those pieces of legislation get put together and how it all works. And that'll happen at the committee level. I can't say whether there'll be committee hearings or not, but uh, – uh, it'll it'll get worked out. And of course, this is legislation that only has Democratic support, even though I think that the work that we're going to be doing is broadly uh, bipartisan. I don't think that providing um, dental care for people on Medicare is a Democratic issue or a Republican issue. I think it's uh, just a common sense issue. Um, but since this legislation is only going to have Democratic um, support, we're, you know, we'll have to work on it in a slightly different way. What do you tell your Republican colleagues who say, you know what, I can't vote for the, the bipartisan deal if it's connected to this reconciliation? It really got my attention today, Senator, uh, when when we saw a couple of members of the Senate, Senators Toomey and, and Lummis, hold a news conference to talk about this crypto deal, but then also saying, by the way, we don't plan to vote for the underlying bill. You know, my mother always told me that you can't make perfect be the enemy of the good. And, you you know, we saw this a little bit with the with the uh, uh, bill that we passed, the rescue package, and it passed only with Democratic votes. Yet I saw some of my Republican colleagues out touting the uh, the benefits of, and the, the benefits of that legislation and how it was delivering for Americans, even though they voted against it. Um, so I would urge my colleagues, if you, you know, you might not like every single thing that are in these bills, but, you know, we should be able to come together and get something done, especially something that's as bipartisan as this, um, as this infrastructure bill. And, you know, I'll tell you, I mean, I've only been in Washington for a few years, but uh, for a long, long time, people have been struggling to get done the investments in infrastructure that we all know that we need, that is going to enhance our, the, the competitiveness our, of our country, that is going to make sure that 
uh, rural roads in southern Minnesota are safe for school buses and families as they're driving around. And mm-hmm. I, I think that this is if, if you can't come together in a bipartisan way on a bill like this, I don't know, you know, where you, you know, how you're going to be able to do it. So do, it's do kind you of, worry, it's Senator, kind of funny, about? Well, and that's uh, the legislative process, I suppose. Uh, It goes to the House next. Do you worry about major changes being made, or or is this bill going to look a lot like it does now when when it is uh, getting a final vote? Well, the House needs to have its uh, its imprint on this bill and to be able to bring forth their good ideas. I will tell you that I know that for both the bipartisan bill and especially for the Democrats' budget bill, that we were, you know, we were in close touch with the um, House, especially the House leadership. And, you know, on the energy packet piece of it, for example, I'm in touch with the House um, members as well. So we, we're doing our best to make sure that things are coordinated and that we're getting everybody's best ideas brought forward. Senator Tina Smith, Democrat from Minnesota, thanks for walking through all of these items with us today on Bloomberg Radio. And I'll be up long before dawn. If you are, I'll be thinking about you when the sun rises tomorrow. Well, a little bit of inconvenience is well worth it to get done such uh, great results for um, people in Minnesota and around the country. So I'll I'll be looking for you. (laughs) Thank you, Senator. Have a great night. Thank you. Up next, we assemble the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Sheehan Zeno and Rick Davis will weigh in. We're almost there, it looks like. And you chose the right program. Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. We could have an infrastructure bill passed in the Senate by this time tomorrow. After decades of talking about it, and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says that will be followed immediately by the budget resolution that will make reconciliation possible. So it appears this is really happening. And I guess this will then be officially Infrastructure Week. Well, we're joined by the panel Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Sheehan Zeno and Rick Davis, who've had the weekend to marinate on this. Rick, you just heard from Senator Smith uh, talking with us about uh, today and the potential uh, passage tomorrow in the Senate. It gives us a sense of the optimism I think that Democrats are feeling. How many Republicans will vote for this? Should the procedural votes be our guide on that? Yeah, I think the procedural votes are a good guide on that. Uh, as you saw, just under 70 votes uh, for uh, bringing it to the floor. And uh, I think you'll probably see something similar to that, if not more, uh, because something else the senator said is that yeah, once these things pass, everybody wants to take credit for them. And mm-hmm. so whether you're the 71st or the 81st vote for it, it really doesn't matter. If, it, if you know it's going to happen, be for it uh, is an old Washington line. And I think you'll see a lot of Republicans jumping on that train. Jeannie, we heard today from Senator Bernie Sanders after the blueprint for the reconciliation deal was released. We got the big headline number, three and a half trillion. Getting ahead of the obvious questions, the senator said, yeah, it's paid for through taxes on corporations and on the wealthy. Ah, the average Joe, the average Mary out there, they're working. They're paying their fair share of taxes. But if you're an Amazon, if you're a Jeff Bezos, if you're one of these multi-billionaires, you got lobbyists, you got accountants, you got lawyers, and you can avoid paying your fair share of taxes. So I guess with Republicans staying clear of reconciliation, Jeannie, it's easier for Democrats to start talking about this in detail. 
It is. And, and you know, paid for is something we also heard about the, the bipartisan infrastructure bill. And of course, the CBO came out and said that wasn't the case. So I, I think we have a long way to go until we know whether the $3.5 trillion bill is going to, in fact, be paid for. But, you know, I, I really want to take a step back because I was so struck by your interview with Senator Smith. And we've been hearing this from Democrats who are celebrating this. And as much as I would love to celebrate with them, it is not infrastructure week. We will see a vote in the Senate. We have a long way to go. And it sounds like a bad country song. But if this is a win, I don't want to see a loss. Progressives are <laughs> devastated. That you know, We're looking at this U.N. climate report, which is devastating. Where is that in this bill? So, you know, and you just said it, Joe, 30 years in the making. And this is what we come out with in the Senate alone. Yeah. You know, to me, there is something of a story to be told that this shows just how broken the system is, not how well it works. And so I think we have to be very cognizant of that reality. Jeannie should be writing for Meatloaf here, Rick. Uh, <laughs> is she onto something or what? Well, I'm afraid to respond to that. <laughs> um, no, she's wrong. I mean, this is great news. We're going to add a bipartisan infrastructure bill that's going to be the first time, as she points out, in 30 years, and it's well overdue. The, the country needs it. Productivity needs it. If we want to keep our economy on track, we have to have an infrastructure that works. And a trillion dollars is a lot of money to spend, and it will do a lot of the things. You heard from Senator uh, Tina Smith. She said, you know, part of the climate is – is resilience. You have to redo cities that are getting flooded every year, the infrastructure uh, for the electrical grid that gets overheated and starts fires in California. I mean, all these things are a contribution to the overall integrity of our climate approach. It's not just mitigation. It's also adaptation. And so I think this is great. And and for all the people who you know thought, oh, this will never happen. There's no bipartisanship anymore. I think that we can look forward to uh, more activity in this area. I think these senators are gotten used to doing some work together. It's unfortunate that the th next vote they'll take is on a reconciliation package, which by definition, as Senator Smith said, is only Democrats. Uh, three and a half trillion dollars of new spending, you know, uh, an additional huge load of new debt. Uh, uh, 390 billion in new debt will come along with this in addition to the three and a half trillion and not a single Republican is going to vote for it. And so you wonder whether or not there are any Democrats who are going to oppose this kind of uh, spending. Uh, you talked about uh, taxes. There's no instructions been given on what kind of revenue to get to this, uh, uh, the, the Finance Committee to produce for this bill. So it all could be three and a half trillion dollars of, yeah. of taxes. We just don't know. Well, you're, you're really getting to it here. Is that going to be the next great debate here, uh, Jeannie? Not just how much do you raise in taxes, but what's that actually going to cover? There's just so much uncertainty about what's going to end up in the deal. There, if there's so much uncertainty, we don't know yet. 3.5 is a huge number. But but Rick just said it. Reconciliation is going to be Democrats only. Let's walk back and see why that is. Because there was not the will to get rid of the filibuster. So, you know, they skirt these reforms and we are applauding a bill that is incredibly needed, wildly popular, and shouldn't have been hard to do 30 years ago. I mean, if anybody can tell me this is government working well, 
I, I disagree strongly. Yeah, we are crawling to a finish line, potentially in the Senate only, of a bill that should have been passed a long time ago. No talk of doing something to make sure we're not in this in this situation again. What about climate change? What about health care reform, voting, police, immigration? Mm -hmm. You know, infrastructure is incredibly popular, but this is not even close to what the Democrats promised when they were elected. And that's what the reality of what we're left with as this inches across the line. Jeannie and Rick will stay with us. Come back a little bit later on this hour. We turn to crypto next after we update the markets and traffic. Senators cannot agree on changes to the crypto tax reporting language. Hands are ringing. Joe Weisenthal, though, says, you know what? A lot of Bitcoiners don't care. We'll talk to him next. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1, to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. And to think they spent the last week, including the weekend, arguing over crypto rules. A deal on tax reporting requirements today has already been blocked in the Senate, and so the language will stay the same after all that. At least, though, until the bill goes to the House. And as I read on the terminal now from Bloomberg's Joe Weisenthal, a lot of Bitcoiners don't care anyway, despite what you may have heard. We'll talk to the stalwart next. And thank you for spending some time with us today on Bloomberg Radio. The amount of time and attention spent on crypto in the infrastructure bill comes in large part, of course, to the aggressive lobbying effort by the industry, like Coin Center and the Blockchain Association we spoke with on Friday. Even Gene Simmons apparently has an angle on all of this. But Bloomberg's Joe Weisenthal is writing about why some Bitcoiners don't care about fixing all this. And the stalwart himself joins us now on Sound On. Joe, thank you for being here. You point out that Bitcoiners see the currency as, well, basically designed to not need these protections. Yeah, thank you for having me. And, you know, I should be clear that I'm not, it's not all Bitcoiners, but there is a certain faction that believes that Bitcoin's network, as designed, is designed to um, be robust against any sort of state or legislative attack. And ultimately, they see uh, these efforts, and you mentioned Coin Center and the Blockchain Association, these efforts at um, fixing or changing uh, some of the bill as ultimately not helping Bitcoin very much, because if your view is that the technology is robust against any sort of regulation or attack, then any effort to change that regulation perhaps only helps other coins that are not as robust. Okay. Uh, I don't want to pull you down the wrong hole <laughs> here, but, but what makes Bitcoin unable sure. to be regulated? 
Well, again, you know, this is this is what they say, right? So they would say that it can't be. Now, there, of course, there are ways to regulate Bitcoin in part because everybody who buys Bitcoin buys it through some entity like, say, Coinbase, which is a financial institution That's that right. gets regulated. Mm -hmm. That being said, the network is highly uh, decentralized in the sense that anyone can say, download and run their own node, which monitors all the transactions on the network. Anyone in theory can be a miner. Uh, you know, that's not so big anymore, but in the early days of Bitcoin, and it could go back to it where people mine the cryptocurrency simply on their PC. And so the view is that like at the sort of like the, the pure infrastructure of the network would be very hard to tamp down, would be very hard to um, break. Whereas some of the other competing cryptocurrencies are perceived to be less decentralized. And so, for example, there is an argument that it is much harder for an individual to run a full node in a different coin that requires, more, uh, say, Ethereum, that requires more computing power. Uh, others argue that it is not so easy for an individual to be a miner of different coins. And so their view is that these other coins have not spent uh, the same engineering resources to make their networks as decentralized mm -hmm. and thus are less robust against, uh, say, uh, state intervention. You, you talk about this Blockstream employee, Grubles. Yeah. Uh, who's, you know, he's got the tinfoil yeah. hat on here. And he's basically, he, he's transacting Bitcoin offline yeah. with antennas and, and hardware wallets. Yeah. Is that real? Yeah, it is. And it's genuinely impressive. Like you there is I have admiration. Like if anyone has met someone who say like does um ham radio. Yeah. For example, like hardcore, I think you could draw a very serious analogy between say people who are ham radio enthusiasts <laughs> and bitcoiners. Same and the DNA. idea is it's like, you know, you could have like a major if you had like a major storm for example, there's a good chance that the phone networks go down. There's a good chance that the Internet goes down. But then the ham radio people, the people who learn Morse code and so forth, they can still communicate. And I think there really is an analogy there with some Bitcoiners see themselves as like the ham radio of money. Mm -hmm. And so they believe that they've spent a lot of effort to build this system that can, you know, withstand almost any collapse and ultimately, in uh, so this, uh, it's, you should re people should read it. It's this great guide, like how to send a Bitcoin transaction while you're offline. <laughs> it's not easy, but it's a system that's built such that it can possibly be done. But it's possible, yeah. It's possible, and that's what's exciting to people. We're talking on Bloomberg Sound On with the Sage of Crypto. Joe mm -hmm. Weisenthal is with us, the stalwart, and we've heard a lot about preventing fraud. Yeah. In this debate, Joe, would it actually help with that? And maybe I should first ask you, do we have any idea? We throw all these statements. Right? Do we have any idea how much fraud is in crypto? I don't think anyone really has a great idea. You know, I don't think I think the issue is nominally there is not that much still. I think, look, the vast majority of people who are into crypto or who are into Bitcoin specifically, they're not interested in engaging in fraud or tax evasion or money laundering or ransomware. They're interested in buying a coin that's gone up in price a lot. And I think like the vast majority of um, uh, of all crypto is still largely that. Now, that being said, of course, people are concerned about the use of these coins for fraud and ransomware and tax evasion. And it's not crazy to be concerned about that, in part because these systems at their core allow monetary transactions outside of regulated networks. And so, you know, if if I want to pay you money and I send you $100 uh, via PayPal or something like that, there is an entity PayPal that has a recording of that transaction. Yes. In theory, I could send you um, 
Bitcoin and there is no centralized authority that says, oh, look what's going on. Now, there's the blockchain and there are blockchain analysis companies that in theory can track some of this. But it really does create peer-to-peer digital money in a way that didn't exactly exist in some way prior to the invention of Bitcoin and other uh, blockchain-based cryptocurrencies. And so although I think that the actual amount of fraud is pretty small, it's not crazy that people think, well, this is like one natural avenue for it to go uh, at some point in the future. Joe, I've got to ask you before uh, we wrap up here, the last week or two, what it's been like for you. I mean, I'm sitting down here in Washington and we're hammering out legislation and everybody's an expert, Uh except when they're not. Are, are, Are you just leaning back at the end of the day when you loosen the tie laughing at lawmakers trying to figure all this out? I mean, look, it is it is interesting. And, it you know, look, I mean, I think there's a few things. It is kind of funny seeing all these lawmakers try to figure out this new thing. But also, I think it's interesting. There must be uh, there are more and more who actually really know what they're talking about in the sense that they are even thinking about, OK, we have to find ways to uh, want to find ways to regulate that. And I think if you went back three or four, let alone five years, some of these terms like miners and nodes and developers and so forth, it's not that they wouldn't have been included. It's that it wouldn't have even occurred to anyone right. that they would be part of a bill. And that really shows uh, the sort of tremendous uh, evolution and expansion of this stuff uh, in sort of like in the popular world. Well, I hope you feel like a pioneer. Joe Weisenthal. Huh. Thank you. Great to have you on the program. Let's do it again soon. Let's do it. Thanks for having me. I hope Gene Simmons heard all that. You follow him? He tweets at Chuck Schumer, crypto is good for America. He's a big proponent, I guess. Coming up, we'll talk about it with Rick and Jeannie. The panel's coming back as we block and chain all night and party every day on Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Blooper. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So let's assume the infrastructure bill passes the Senate tomorrow morning, maybe even tonight. That's a possibility, by the way, if all hundred senators agree. And when is the last time you heard of that happening? We're not holding our breath for it. They are debating right now on the Senate floor as we speak. So it could be a late night or a very early morning or a little bit of both. It looks like the crypto rules will remain the same as the deal that was struck today on these outlying amendments that we've been talking about last couple of days, it's been blocked. They're going to stick with the original language. It could be tweaked later in the House. Or maybe something goes into reconciliation. We'll have to wait for some time on that. We did see the blueprint for reconciliation, $3.5 trillion. It was out today. Tax hikes for corporations and families making over $400,000 a year. And we're joined again by the panel, Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Sheehan-Zeno and Rick Davis with us here. I want to ask you both about the crypto rules, though, in this hard infrastructure bill. We are just talking about it with Joe Weisenthal. Is this the ultimate example of wasting time here, Rick? My God, we put uh, days and days into this. We had multiple amendments. And then at the, the last minute here, they're all blocked. And this bill is going to look exactly the same as it did last week when it goes to the House. Yeah, and except for some really bad crypto language that I think everybody agrees shouldn't be in this bill anymore. I mean, in an effort to try and get pay-fors, you know, people thought, oh, well, we ought to be done in the crypto industry. And so we get treasury language that isn't well thought through. Ted Cruz says it'll decimate the industry. Is he going too far with that, or is that your view? I mean, first of all, 
This is not a done deal, right? This is not the language that will go to the president's desk. It can be corrected in the House, and it can be corrected potentially if there's a conference unless the House accedes to it with correcting language. And I think everybody wants to see this fixed. So I can't imagine that this is the language that's going to make it out. But again, um, uh, Senator Smith said on your program earlier that, um, you know, we can fix these kinds of things, whether it's in this year's bill or, or correcting legislation and other bills. So I wouldn't get too excited about it. But what it does portend is, one, Treasury missed its mark. Uh, they really didn't know what they were doing when they submitted this language. And there are lots of different views, bipartisan views. The two correcting amendments on this are made up of both Republicans and Democrats. Yes. And they don't agree. And right. so this is a open season on crypto, I think, is the message that this bill is going to send to everybody. Jeannie, it's one of these Washington moments, the reason why people scratch their heads when they try to follow the bouncing ball here. The two senators who announced the deal today, it's like, we've figured out crypto. Here we go. Pat Toomey, Senator Pat Toomey and Senator Cynthia Lummis. They spent good time at the podium, a good deal of time taking questions, walking through the deal, why it's good for crypto, why it's great that this got done. And then they both announced that they're not going to vote for the bill. Here they are. For completely unrelated reasons, I will not be supporting the underlying bill. Uh, it has nothing to do with this transaction. I also have problems with the underlying bill. The, it's scored in a way that uh, it's not fully paid for. Then what did we just spend all that time on working on a deal for, Jeannie? We, we got some good tweets from Gene Simmons. Um, you know, we got some other good discussion. No, you're absolutely right. And I think one of the things that it's important is that there's a lot of discussion about the fact, and you were talking about this in, in your discussion with Joe earlier, is that this is a new technology and many, many leaders, not just in Congress, but around the country, indeed people around the country, mm-hmm. don't understand it yet. And it's important because regulators need to understand it. So do public officials who are going to pass laws. And there is a huge frustration of people in the industry who feel like this became a convenient place in which to pull out $28 billion. And so there's a lot of frustration there, rightly so, and not letting this currency, which people see as the future of the financial system, develop and and have, have the breath it needs to develop before it's regulated by people who don't understand it. So I think this discussion was was part and part parcel of that. And as somebody who also doesn't understand it so well, I'm not, you know, throwing aspersions, but I, I do think, you know, the, the frustration is there, rightly so, from people in this industry. Rick, were, were Senators Toomey and Lummis uh, being a little too cute here, or is that actually the way Washington works? And maybe the deal they struck comes out in the House or, or impacts the debate somewhere down the road? Yeah, I think it's more how Washington works. I think you need to understand the legislative process where just because you may not like the underlying piece of legislation, it doesn't mean you you don't want to get your parts of it correct. And in this case, uh, it's also joined by Senator Wyden, you know, who is the the Democrat head of the Finance Committee. And so these are these are ways to try and make good, you know, good legislation better or bad legislation not as bad. And and whether you whether you support the underlying bill or not. You don't want to see bad things in it. And this has gotten a lot of attention because crypto is getting a lot of attention and crypto is getting a lot of attention because nobody knows what to do with it. And so um, senators are working hard to try and figure this out. There were other amendments that also failed. Uh, and, and so we're going to see a lot more legislation uh, that gets promulgated in other bills uh, related to crypto. And, and so I think this is just one of those situations where 
we're going to see people trying to do the right thing in a bill by their definition, even though the bill that, that is underlying this amendment is not something they can be willing to vote for. Jeannie, let's talk about the blueprint here for this reconciliation bill. This would be the soft infrastructure uh, bill that would follow the hard infrastructure bill that's going to get a vote imminently here in the Senate. When you look at the content, some of it we've heard a lot about, uh, an expansion of Medicare, uh, money for child care, for instance. But are Democrats going to find the line here when it comes to rules? When I see immigration reform and and items uh, like that, is the Senate parliamentarian at some point going to say, no, those those items don't go in a budget reconciliation? Well, that is what they're going to be facing, and that could very well happen. We saw that with the minimum wage. And to your point, we're seeing the expansion of education, health care, child care support. Also, very important, the climate crisis, investment in climate, and more infrastructure. So it's an expansive bill, but as you mentioned, as they move to things like immigration, they, I think, are going to have a tough road to push that forward. The problem I see is that Democrats are then going to be able to say, hey, look at folks, we tried, we did the best we could, you can't blame us. And to me, that's what's frustrating about what's happening in Washington, D.C., Immigration shouldn't be in the infrastructure bill. It should and needs to be handled, needed to be handled decades ago on its own, not through reconciliation. They can't do that, so they're doing it this way. It probably won't make it into this bill because of the parliamentarian, and then they will be able to say, look at folks, we tried. And yet we still have a crisis at the border in the midst of a pandemic and one we've had for decades. You've seen this movie uh, before, Rick, with the number of years you were advising Senator McCain. Uh, and other Republicans on Capitol Hill, where's the parliamentarian going to draw the line here? Could this look a lot different in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I think there'll be some bumpers put around this. It's it's a massive transaction on Capitol Hill, right? Three and a half trillion dollars, all money raised through tax increases, basically. I mean, just the concept of that is is going to make so many tax lobbyists thrilled. But the reality of it is, is that 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 even doesn't uh, properly portray the depth and breadth, as you've described it, of the amount of uh, social engineering in this package. And, and so the Senate parliamentarian will take care of some of that. They'll put some, some, some brackets around what is and isn't uh, financial legislation, uh, budget legislation. But I think this is going to be a really long haul when they start filling out uh, mm. what this bill really means. And I would be shocked if Democrats go in lockstep down on this bill without thinking about what the political implications of a three and a half trillion dollar tax increase is going to be. Well, let's follow the bouncing ball on this a little bit further, Jeannie. Let's say something like immigration reform, uh, maybe some of the other monies are taken out. Does that lower the overall spending, the overall price tag to the extent that a Senator Manchin or a Senator Cinema could vote for it? It may. I mean, I mean, I don't think we have a good number from them yet. They're not at 3.5. They're willing to go up fairly high, but I think it could reduce it. I don't know if immigration alone would reduce it enough, but I do think those are the types of negotiations we're going to be seeing. And what it does, it gives individual senators and members of the House 
outsized voice in the policy of the nation. And that in and of itself is problematic. And that's what always happens in our system. But we will see them doing that as they negotiate this thing out. I think we also have to remember, we have a long way to go before we see that because of course, we also are gonna see progressives and moderates, we're seeing it already in the House, who are fighting about the bipartisan infrastructure bill with moderates saying to the uh, speaker, pass it. And of course, progressives saying, no, 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 these two are tied together. That is a big fight that's gonna happen. And we may see the House come back even earlier to try to move some of this forward when there's then when they're scheduled to. Rick, we only have a minute left here. Assuming this passes the Senate or certainly gets the vote in the Senate before we talk next, do you expect any surprises for Chuck Schumer? Are we going to have any thumbs down at uh, one in the morning? No, I think this is baked. Uh, I think most of the real hard stuff has been done already. Uh, they didn't get uh, unanimous consent throughout the weekend, and they're not going to get it now, so it'll just go straight yeah. to a vote. And I think the surprise will be more more people voted for it uh, than what we've seen in the uh, in the test votes up to this point in time. How about that? You agree with that too, Jeannie? The surprise is to the upside for Democrats? I do think, I think we will probably see around 20 Republicans support this. Wow. Well, you got it. From Rick and Jeannie, just hours away from the actual vote. Let's meet back here this time tomorrow. We'll talk about everything that happened. And of course, we'll have the expert analysis you've been hearing this whole hour. Set your clocks early. I'll see you on TV at 5 a.m. And back here later on the radio. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.